It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. 41 days to November the 8th in the big midterm elections. As always, uh, the president and the party in power uh, has interesting things to navigate. Of course, the record of the first two years, what's happening inside of states and districts, and what's the proper balance for all of that? Do you want the president all in? Do you want the president far away? Uh, We've seen that for both Republicans and Democrats over the years. Uh, When is the best time to have a president show up and be shoulder to shoulder with the president? And when is it best for the president to just stay out of dodge? Uh, It goes beyond just what we think in the headlines in terms of the midterms. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, we're pleased to have joining us on the program today, uh, Christopher Catalogo uh, from the uh, Politico. Uh, he's a White House correspondent for Politico. And uh, a great piece uh, today talking about uh, President Biden's very delicate midterm dance. And this is one that, again, it's kind of behind the headlines because there's a lot of subtleties to it. Christopher did a great job of breaking it all down and joins us on the line. Christopher, thanks for uh, coming on with us today. Of course. Glad to uh, be on with you. All right. So let's start digging into this. Uh, The president, this is just such an interesting dance. Uh, You have a a president with uh, lower approval ratings. And so there's this idea, is is the president a drag on the party? Can he still be helpful to the party? Can candidates run ahead of the president or are they going to get pulled behind? Uh, Tell us what you're seeing. Yeah, I mean, they, they have to hope in many of these districts that they will be running ahead of Biden maybe not ahead of him necessarily in 2020, but ahead of where his numbers are right now. As you you kind of alluded to, he's in the the low to mid-40s approval rating right now, and that's a difficult spot to be in. I think he's just surpassed former President Trump uh, where he was in in 2018, and I think he's just below, still below, where – Barack Obama was in 2010. And of course, we know what the results for both of those presidents' uh, parties were in 2018 and and 2010. So it's a difficult prospect. Now, uh, we obviously are in a very different environment now than we were in those elections. And I think, you know, Republicans, particularly in the Senate, have um, uh, some Senate candidates who at least at the moment, and of course, this is uh, a lot of caveats here, um, looking at the polls and stuff, um, have have struggled, have struggled to gain traction. Some have struggled to raise um, as much money as Democrats. And so, um, and then, of course, we have the issue of, uh, of Roe v. Wade being overturned in this Dobbs decision, which has, um, uh, on the Democratic side, um, enlivened a lot of voters. We've had several special elections so far where 
not only voter registration, but turnout has been up. But it still creates a, a delicate environment for Joe Biden. And the question was, where will he be? How many of these candidates will want to stand shoulder to shoulder? And one of the things we explain in the story is that uh, when you talk to a lot of these candidates and House members in battleground districts, um, they want, if, if Biden is coming to their district or if he's talking about uh, some of the policies that they've passed, they want it to be much more focused on sort of deliverables for uh, their district or some of the legislation that they passed, this CHIPS uh, bill on manufacturing competitiveness in, in, in the U.S. or, you know, the infrastructure bill that passed with the help of some Republicans um, or even this health care and climate bill, this big uh, bill they passed um, recently, finally, after getting uh, Senator Joe Man- Manchin's help. So I think that's the focus. Um, you're seeing fewer sort of outright political rallies with, with Joe Biden than you are seeing more policy-focused discussions and events. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, one of the things that I thought about when uh, I was reading your piece, Christopher, that kind of got me noodling, it's it's often that the... The, the sitting president is is out there kind of the cheerleader is is kind of that standard bearer and often it's the vice president who is kind of behind the scenes raising campaign cash doing the hard hitting stuff and it is almost as though president biden has kind of reverted uh to the role he played during uh, the the obama administration uh that he's kind of hands off raising the money raising the cash for democrats that's important uh is he kind of into that model in terms of doing this dance you described yeah, and I think one of the things we describe in the story is that this was not a foregone conclusion. I mean, part of that was, you know, everybody's everybody has some some pride here, and I think he looked back at 2018, you know, a couple years after he had been vice president, where he did some of the same things you were talking about, where, um, you know, he was raising money for candidates, but he was also out on the road. That was where he sort of yeah. test drove a lot of his speeches that he would be giving uh, once he got into the 2020 race. And I think he looked at that and thought, well, all these candidates wanted me back then. And I was kind of the, the, guy, the guy that went into some of these heartland districts and some of these tighter districts and, and was able to talk to more moderate Democrats. And he thought that uh, that might be sort of a model. And I think it took him a little while personally to kind of come to grips with this idea that he may not be wanted everywhere, as we put it in the story. And I think some of the folks around him in the White House said that um, you know, he's he's now sort of made peace with that. And the, and the real priority here, he understands to kind of keep any of his agenda on the on the front burner would be keeping the U.S. Senate. Um, you know, the House looks very difficult, but the Senate will be very key, especially when it comes to uh, confirming sort of, um, you know, later in the first term uh, appointees, if, if there's turnover in the cabinet. Uh, obviously, judges is a is just been a been major priority for both parties, um, and so that's kind of the thought. Is there's really if you don't have the Senate, if you lose both chambers, um, it uh, it makes things a heck of a lot more difficult for him. So part of his you know 
potential success going forward will depend on whether he can have even a narrow majority in Congress. And, and so that outweighs the, the ego here in terms of needing to be out there stumping for the party. Yeah, and I think that uh, that ego component is always the challenge for uh, politicians across the political spectrum. Can they stay out of the way enough to do that? I thought it was interesting that Jen Psaki uh, made the comment over the weekend that if this is strictly a referendum on Joe Biden, then that's not a good night uh, for the Republicans. If the Republicans make this about either 2020 or past elections or uh, some of those things, uh, then they're going to have the rough night. Uh, just a, a real quick final thought in terms of uh, what are you watching uh, in the coming days that uh, you think will kind of indicate whether the president is effectively getting out of the way enough and still doing the dance effectively or whether the Republicans are going to have an advantage? I think a lot of it has to – I mean part of what we watch very closely, and this, this is not the most scintillating thing for, for probably the audience to hear, is we saw Biden's approval numbers pick up a little bit um, with the passage of this uh, health care and, uh, and climate legislation, as they call it, this big sort of hulking spending bill. Um, and we also saw them pick up, you know, as folks sort of sort of uh, tuned in over this abortion Supreme Court decision and over the um, hearings that were happening on January 6th with really keeping Donald Trump in the news and the search of Mar-a-Lago, and it sort of created this environment. There was obviously a couple big shootings where Biden was, was hitting the road and talking about those and passage of a very modest gun bill. Anyway, his numbers had ticked up a little. What we are seeing um, just in the last uh, few days and even week as those have started to sort of backtrack a little bit. Um, it could just be kind of temporary this week, but, you know, that has historically been a real important marker, especially in terms of how many uh, House seats the party can win or lose. And so I think that's one of them. And then secondarily, this is less so on Biden, but we're getting into, as you know, uh, in in your state, but also elsewhere, into debate season coming up um, uh, in the gubernatorials and the Senate races and also uh, in some of these um, House races. And I think that um, the the sort of Biden factor, you know, how much are, are uh, Republicans leaning into uh, his his uh, his weaknesses, and also, uh, you know, what the party's done on inflation. Um, we did mention just one quick thing again in the in the story. Um, if you were to just sort of gauge how big of a factor Biden is in these races, you might think from the media coverage of them, well, he's not mentioned all that much. But if you turn on the TV ads. And you look at what the Republicans are saying in the TV ads about Biden and inflation, how often these Democrats voted with Biden. You know, it's 95 percent of the time and 99 percent of the time. He is dominant in those ads. He's featured almost twice as much so far as Donald Trump was in 2018 in the Democratic ads. And so that, I think, um, is a telling sign about how uh, how Republicans want to use uh, Joe Biden in these final weeks. Uh, great insight, great analysis. Uh, we will continue to watch the dance over the next 41 days. Uh, Christopher Catalogo, uh, House White House correspondent for Politico. Uh, it's a great piece and really some important insight for all of us to think through. A lot of debates, a lot of arguments coming up, a lot of cases to be made. The role of the president in all of this is going to be fascinating to watch. But again, you got to go past the headlines. You got to think again. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. 
they pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.